Hello, my friends. Mandy here with a quick invitation for you to join the Patreon for our show. We've recently switched up some of the benefits, including a new monthly workbook to go along with all the incredible content you're getting on the show. It's a quote yourself through grief kind of a vibe. And for only $10 a month, it is a wholly worthy and affordable way to invest in your own healing process without the commitment of a full coaching relationship. Learn more at patreon.com slash Mandy Capehart. And of course, the link is in the show notes. Thank you as always for being here. Now let's get into the good stuff. Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy K. Part. You are listening to episode 115, titled Emotional Freedom and Somatics with Ann Hintz. The way we internalize trauma and grief is not only in our emotional mind or our cognitive mind, but in the very cells of our being. When my guest Anne was 19 years old, she woke one morning to find her mother dead in her bathroom, and it would be another 20 years before Anne learned of a technique to release the tightly held and protected emotions from that loss and many others. In response, the deeply embodied grief and trauma in the structure of her bones and body have shifted and found release. This conversation was beautiful, full of easy invitations and nuanced challenges because grief and healing require us to hold a both and understanding. So as you're preparing to listen, I'm going to invite you as well to open your mind and heart to hear Anne's story and to look for where you might find your own new strategies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. My guest today is a beautiful human who I'm really excited for Anne to be honest about all of the beautiful things she's experienced in her grief story and the way that approaching herself differently has really brought healing. So Anne, thank you so much for your willingness to be here and share with us today. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, we were just talking off air about the different ways that we've approached grief over the years. Personally, I have been very invested in the somatic approach because I think we all approach it in that emotional overwhelm state for a long time and then kind of shut down. So I would love for you to just bring a little bit of your story to the surface and let's start there. Okay. Yeah, there is a better way, but I certainly had an emotional shutdown for a long, long time. (laughs) I I didn't realize that I had suppressed everything, but you know, we get programmed in childhood as to how to deal with those kind of things. And yeah, we always suppressed everything. We never talked about anything that happened. We never talked about anything deep at all. So that's what I did when I found my mother dead on the bathroom floor when I was 19. I just carried on with life. I mean, I questioned it. It's like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing something different? But there was no one around to help or to say anything about it. So I just suppressed it all and just carried on with life because I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't even know therapy existed at that time. I was 19, so it was like three decades or more ago Mm -hmm. in England. I just didn't know there was anything else I could do. I think that's really common too, that desire to hold your emotions close, whether it's to control the way people respond to you or treat you. Um, or even just to control the way that you show up in the world, because like you said, we don't know any differently. And what we are modeled is this idea of stiff upper lip, um, especially England, right? Keep calm and carry on. That is the epitome of maturity. This is how we maintain. We will always be stoic, no matter what is happening under the surface. And it just doesn't serve long-term. 
No, no. What we aren't told is that those emotions and those memories and those traumas actually get stuck inside our body as dis-ease. Now, if we were told that early on, that would be a very different experience through life, right? We'd, we'd know that we want to do something differently because we don't want to store dis-ease inside of our bodies. Yeah. Well, and it's not necessarily something that we grew up with being having that connection being made, right? That emotion can affect the physical body, that it can impact the very cells of our being. It can change everything about how we appear, how we our physical stature and all of that. And I know that's part of your story as well. And I definitely think that as we have come forward more and at least in Western culture, started to embrace like the wisdom of recognizing energy is an important part of our existence that we do have different levels of awareness in our bodies and in our, in even just the world around us, like that connectivity has developed into being more of a mainstream acceptable approach to holistic health, I think. And so, I mean, that's, that's where I see it really becoming an opportunity for us to say, well, what is dis-ease and what does that look like? Is it just, oh, well, I have cancer or, oh, I have a cold or I have this ongoing autoimmune disorder. And now that's just the facts of my life. That's just what it is. Or scoliosis, right? All of these things that really change how we inhabit our physical bodies. Right. But, or do we just have thoughts, right? Negative thoughts, because that's one of the biggest takeaways for my journey and my experience is they are all connected, like you said. So the thoughts that have energy around them, so have emotions around them, they are literally physical dis-ease inside of the body. It's just we're not aware of them. We're yeah. not aware at that level. So it takes it takes doing the work with the memories and the traumas and, and those emotions to expand our self-awareness deep enough that we can realize, okay, there really is physical dis-ease underneath those thoughts. So it's definitely worthwhile looking at them and releasing them when they're just in the stage of thoughts, right? Even if that's all we're aware of, let's work with those thoughts and those memories and release the energy so that that dis-ease that is inside of us that we're not aware of yet, so that that can release. Yeah. So let's, before we dive into the first part of your story, let's just address the idea that we we are very mindful and i know this is true of you i'm i'm certain of it it's true of me we are very mindful that we're not saying if you change your thoughts you will change your life that is a very simplified um <laughs> over exaggerated like clickbait approach to what we're talking about so that is by no means what we're about to say is like if you just think happy thoughts everything will fall into line no however Absolutely not. Yes, definitely not. I tried that. It didn't work. (laughs) I know I tried it too. I was watching just cartoons and happy things for months and it just, it was amazing. I was still miserable. Yeah, because we're we're just suppressing those thoughts and feelings that are still inside. So we've got to actually find them and address them. Absolutely. And then our thoughts do change naturally and then our lives do change naturally. So in some senses, changing our thoughts does change our world, but we can't force it. We have to allow it to happen. Yeah. Okay. So start with where you started. How did this become part of your awareness and your decision? Like, okay, let's try this new thing. 
<laughs> well, it wasn't until my late 30s. So my mother had died when I was 19. And in my late 30s, I had what I call a business altercation with two other mothers at my boys' school. And mm. these mothers were not like me. They were self-confident, self-assured, authority-type women. And they told me I'd done something wrong. And I was the scared mother on the inside. You know, I had PTSD. I was, I was just afraid of doing anything wrong. And they told me I'd done something wrong. So my mind just spun out of control. I just, I couldn't do anything about it. It just went over and over. Everything I'd said, everything they'd said, what I'd done, what I could have done differently, all those different permutations over and over for three days. It was so intense. And it was at the end of that that I realized two things. First of all, I realized, okay, this is not normal. <laughs> no one else I knew would have spun out of control so much over something so simple. And also, it felt a little bit like how I would react when my dad had told me I'd done something wrong in childhood. So for me, that was the first inkling that maybe something from my childhood was still affecting me to that day, which is so kind of funny to look back on because there was so much from my childhood affecting me, but I wasn't aware of it. So that was the first little opening. But I didn't know what to do with it at that point. But it just happened that I went to a doctor's appointment in that time frame, and he was a holistic physician. So he had more tools in his toolbox than most other doctors do. And he happened to notice that I was more stressed than I should be. Now, I wasn't going to see him for anything about my stress level or about my history. It was nothing. He just recognized I was more stressed than I should be. And he asked me on a scale of zero to 10 what my stress level was. And I said eight. And then he asked me why. And it was that question that made me realize, okay, it was finding my mother on the bathroom floor when I was 19, because the tears from that event was still just under the surface all these years later. Mm. Now he happened to know this technique that is called EFT, which is short for emotional freedom technique. It's also called tapping because we're tapping on our body as we're talking something through. And he tapped with me for about 15 minutes on my mother's death. And I walked away from that appointment, being able to tell the story in my mind for the first time ever without those tears. So for me, that was huge. That's when I first realized that we keep those memories and those emotions physically stored in our body and that we can let them go. Wow. I love that you were willing to say, hey, doc, I didn't mean to come in here and bring up my 19-year-old trauma, but guess what? That's what came to the surface. And I think that that's telling because that's exactly where we go as grievers is something finally just says enough. You cannot contain this any longer and you will literally die trying to hold it back if if you don't let it out. And whether that's a slow, painful death of just emotional stunting over the next 40 years or heart attack or ulcers, we, our body responds in the most honestly, the most natural of ways to us holding these heavy negative interactions with our experiences, with the external world in our internal selves. So yeah. what, what was going through your mind when you left your, that doctor's appointment? <laughs> I was excited. Oh, good. <laughs> the idea that something could shift or release so quickly blew my mind. And actually, I didn't necessarily believe it because it's like it, it felt too easy. So I went home and I learned everything I could about EFT. And it was mm -hmm. given away by Gary Craig for free. So I could learn it all online, which was great. And I still I wanted to try it out because I, I still didn't really believe that it could be true. And I have an engineering background. I was a software engineer. So I kind of 
I like to know something works before I spend yes. my time on it. Yeah. And the fact that he was a chemical engineer really helped me too. Okay, there's an engineer developed this technique. Wow. <laughs> that helped me. But yeah. I wanted to try it out. And at the time, I had a 17-year-old cat at home, and his kidneys were starting to fail. And we'd been told we had to give him a daily saline shot, so an injection of saline mm -hmm. solution. And I was the one who had to do that. <laughs> and the first time I gave him that shot, my hand was shaking so badly. I was so afraid of giving him this shot. And I knew it, it would be too stressful to do it every day. So I thought, okay, let me do something about it. Let me try out this technique. So I did. So I tapped about every aspect of it, which is something you do with EFT. So I tapped about my hand shaking. I tapped about my fear of hurting my cat. And I tapped about all the memories from all the injections I had had as a child. And the next day, when I gave him that shot, the needle just slid right in. Mm. All that fear that had been living inside of my body the day before had totally disappeared. So that's when I realized how powerful EFT was. And that's when I started using it. I also realized at that point that, that those emotions are just energy that is stuck in the body. That's when I really got that. And if you can get beyond it, or if I could get beyond it, that's where the freedom can experience. It was... Yeah more simple right it wasn't okay. the same as my mother's death mm -hmm. so it was and yes i had studied so i knew you had to find okay. all the different aspects and with that simple ex example it was easy to find the aspects because there wasn't a lot of inner trauma really around it but with my mother's death right it wasn't up that, that Tapping with the doctor was not the only time I had to do it, had to work on my mother's death because there were so many layers to that. Yes. So with him, I did that 15 minutes and I worked on the surface layers, like the tears. So we tapped through the story of what happened that morning when I found her and let go of some of those tears. And what EFT is doing is it's releasing the energy that is stored in the nervous system around those memories. And as we release that energy, our subconscious mind starts to open up and our self-awareness deepens. Those two things happen at the same time. So the subconscious mind opening up is you start to get deeper memories, right? more subtle parts of the story start to come to mind once those bigger emotions have been released. So I tap through the story with the doctor, but then I tap through it again at home and I tap through it again. Like So from the beginning of the story, it's like a movie, tap through me waking up that morning, noticing it was quiet. It was never quiet before because you always had the radio on. So that whole story all the way through that morning, I would tap through it. And then I would go back to the beginning and tap through it again. And each time I tap through it, there would be a little bit more detail or a different emotion that would come up that had been hidden before underneath the previous layer. So it was layer by layer by layer. And eventually I'd you know, these really simple things that happened that morning is like my brother came home with his girlfriend. I had never met her before. And she gave me a cup of black coffee. And I was never a coffee drinker, but if I drank coffee, it had to have plenty of sugar and milk in it. And I was annoyed with her for doing that because just because, right? I'd had so much happen that morning. That was just another part of the story that had been suppressed under all those other layers that had to be revealed by working through those other layers. Did you ever at any point feel as your subconscious mind was starting to open up any concern that maybe I'm 
filling in the blanks because I blocked things out because I don't truly remember and you don't necessarily have a record of what happened that you can compare back to? Or did you feel like a sense of settled peacefulness about what was coming up as you were tapping through? Um, well, there wasn't there wasn't peacefulness until I'd released the energy. Okay. Well, <laughs> but yes. yeah, no, I never I never felt like I was filling in the gaps because okay. they were just they were just memories that popped into my mind. So it didn't it didn't feel like I was making anything up. I mean, I do think we can make things up because my brother yeah. had a very different story for that morning. He wasn't in the house; he mm. was at his girlfriend's house, and. He, many years later, I heard that he told his wife that he was the one who caught my mother when she fell. She didn't fall. I mean, so none of that story fit. And I I still, to this day, he's died already. So I don't know if he consciously made that up or if it was something he made up to protect himself from the guilt of not being there. Well, and that's what I was kind of wondering when I was thinking about bringing memories that have been repressed. There's so much interesting study around repressed memories and fabricated memories for self-protection, just like you described. And so that's why I was just curious if if that was something, because I do think even in, in the event of fabricated memories, there is still value in going through a process of excavation and tapping. And it can be easy to maybe get caught up in the cognitive, rational side of saying, well, that wasn't fact. Well, sure, but your body is still reacting as if there's a bear in front of you. Just because a bear hasn't shown up in front of you doesn't mean you're not experiencing the uh, overwhelm in your nervous system and need to move through it. So that's exactly right. So everything about my story, and I didn't, you know, I didn't work this out until I went quite a long way through the story, is that it's all about finding your truth. So whatever your truth is in the moment. So even if you feel like, you know, if you have this memory that may not be truthful memory, you would still work with that memory because that's your truth in that moment. And by allowing that memory or that thought to be okay that you're thinking it, that's when it releases. As soon as it's fully accepted, that's when the release happens. Yeah, it's bringing neutrality into those moments where we might have like a moral judgment against our memories or our experiences and say, this is a bad memory. So I've pushed it down and I won't be recalling it. Thank you so much. When the reality is, no, this is just an actual thought that you've carried and embodied for however long. It doesn't matter. It's not good or bad. It's just a true thing. Right. But also there's like a layer. So yes, the memory itself is a layer, but but you just stated it and layer above it, which is, I don't want to look at this memory. Yeah. I want to keep it suppressed. So if you were using EFT, that's what you would tap on. It's like, I don't want, I don't want to feel this memory. I don't want to look back at it. It's too scary. I think it's going to annihilate me. All of those thoughts you have are holding that memory down. So if you accept those thoughts and allow the energy of those thoughts to release, it becomes easier to look at the memory. Yeah. So you took yourself through all of this on your own. How would you invite someone to start doing that? An engineer mind is a hundred percent that brilliant brain that says I could take that apart and put it back together. How does it work? That's not everyone. That's the, the gift that you brought to that situation. How would you tell someone who is grieving, who says, Oh, I don't know if I believe that this is real, but where can I begin? Like, what would you invite them into? 
Well, there are certainly many practitioners that can help, right? I'm, I'm sure, sure you can too, right? Yeah. And, and leading, it's finding the words. It's often I find with other people who aren't able to take it on themselves, it's they don't know what words to use. So finding someone who will work you with you to find the words, to find your truth, just to put words to those feelings, that can help. Yeah. But in, in my journey, the first step, and I think you talk about this as well, the first step is always noticing what you're thinking or noticing how you're feeling because until you can do that until you can stand back and say okay this is what i'm thinking or this is what i'm feeling until you can do that you can't do anything about it yeah so you have to start noticing during the day how you're feeling and then you can work with those feelings yeah absolutely taking us back to Anne has just realized i can tap my way through injecting my cat with saline and now I'm shifting into like the next experience with this process with EFT. What, what happened next for you? I started noticing how I was feeling during the day yeah. and then I would tap about it. So if I was frustrated, if I felt there were tears coming up for some reason, I would tap and allow the tears to flow. Because one of the things that I realized over the years is that all those tears that we held in as children or through our traumas, they're all still inside and they will come out if we let them, if we find a way to let them out. So I started to do that and I would do it more and more each day because it became easier to notice when I was becoming emotional. Mm -hmm. And I noticed things started to change. I started to become less reactionary, which was my goal. <laughs> um, well, it, finding inner peace was my goal, but the first step was becoming less reactionary. And I wanted things to go faster because I could see changes happening and I was desperate for changes. So I wrote down all my traumas from childhood, every big trauma, little trauma, all the embarrassments, the humiliations, the judging, the criticism. And I had multiple sheets of paper, obviously, from all of those. <laughs> and I tapped through one each night for, you know, for weeks on end until, you know, each, each one until the emotion had disappeared dissipated. Yeah. And then things really started to change. And I noticed my mind becoming quiet, which I had never experienced before. I didn't know it was possible. And that's when I realized that all those phrases that I used to say in my mind, the ones I used to judge myself and criticize myself, had been my dad's phrases that I had been programmed with in childhood. And I just replayed them over and over as my phrases, mm -hmm. but they weren't. And they didn't, I couldn't see that until they had gone. I think that might be one of the most motivating statements about EFT is recognizing, hey, you have an inner narrative that doesn't belong to you. How has that inner narrative affected you and impacted the choices you make and the way you show up in the world? And do you like that narrative or do you want to shift that narrative? That alone, if we could embrace the reality of what we actually want, like get close to who we are and what we actually want, and then recognize there is a way to rewrite that. There is a way to move toward the person you want to become and the person that you have always carried with you. We just have to give ourselves permission to do it. That might, that might be the thing that draws people into this work because what you're talking about, and in retrospect, of course, we can say, oh, this is what I did and have joy around it. It is infinitely difficult when you're in the middle of chaos or grief or knowing that, okay, my tears are below the surface. 
But the last thing I have capacity to do is let them come because they'll never stop. Or I'm in public or I have only 20 minutes. How am I supposed to let myself allow those surface uh, emotions to come through and expect them to then allow me to move into the next thing I want to do? It's a really, it's a challenging prospect, but the way you've positioned it is so invitational. Yeah. I think every time you tap, even if you were tapping for five minutes, I I believe you shifted your future because you've changed who you are in that moment. You've released some of that energy that's stored inside. So it's absolutely worth doing. Now, that's why I find EFT is so beneficial because you can kind of do it anywhere. Now, it looks a little odd. So sometimes people want to go to the bathroom or want to be on their own to do it. And that's okay. (laughs) Um, But you can do it even when you are caught up in emotions. The deeper ways, and so I'll go on to step two of my story, but the deeper ways you've got to be able to be in the present more. And if you're caught up in emotions, you aren't really there. So I still use EFT to this day if I'm really feeling emotional about something and I can't really feel into my body the way I can if I'm at peace. So what I realized EFT is doing, as I said, is it's opening up the subconscious mind. And at the same time, that means that self-awareness is deepening. So I was becoming aware of my emotions more during the day, but I was also becoming aware at a deeper level, which is the physical sensations underneath the emotions. Mm -hmm. So if we're feeling sadness or if we're feeling frustration, we're actually holding ourselves tense somewhere in our body. And we can become aware of what, where that tension is being held. So for me, something like frustration is across my solar plexus, my stomach area. Mm. So I became aware at that level. Now, when I started the journey, I was not aware at that level. If someone had asked me, where do you feel frustration? I would have no idea. No way. Yeah. But doing the work with EFT, right, released many, many, many layers. And I became aware at that level. And then once I was aware at that level, I I didn't need to use EFT as much. I started to use what I call feeling your feelings, which I know we use that phrase sometimes, (laughs) but it's actually a lot harder to do than we think it is not just a thinking process. It's a feeling somatic process. Mm -hmm. So I taught myself how to allow those feelings, the tension, the sensations to be felt because they'd been suppressed for so long, they didn't actually know how to be felt, to be allowed to relax. And so I taught myself how to do that. And then I would use that during the day. I would just feel the feeling. So maybe I'm afraid of making a phone call, right? I would notice where that fear was inside of me and I would feel it. I would hold myself still and just focus on that tension in my solar plexus. Mm-hmm. allow it to relax. And then I would think the thought again, feel it again, and do it again and again with the same thought, which takes some practice, right, to even catch a thought. I know you talk about that too. Um, and I would do it until the emotion had dissipated. Yeah. So then I would no longer be afraid of making the phone call because there was no longer any fear there. So I started using that during the day instead of EFT, and I would work on more collective traumas, you know, things like 9-11 and for me, the Loma Prieta earthquake, because we all have our own personal experience of those collective traumas and we don't realize we're suppressing it, right? It's an, it's another form of trauma that we're holding inside and we don't realize because we watch the news and then we go on with our day and we don't realize that we've actually stored it inside. Yeah. So I just kept doing that 
more and more and I got just a deeper level of self-awareness. So that's kind of what I talk about as my second step, that feeling your feelings. Which is so interesting. And this goes back to when we were, I think, off air debating, is EFT a somatic practice? You just described focusing and self in presence, which is a somatic practice from Eugene Gendlin. And there's um, there's uh, quite a few other people that talk about it a lot, but it really is bringing yourself to that place where you can somatically become curious about where in your body emotions are being stored, what you're experiencing and learning how to describe it with tangible, like physical words so that you can become more comfortable with it. So that when you're like, oh man, every time I go to make that phone call, my tummy gets squishy and, and bubbly that great, fantastic. Stay with it. Right. And then we can help people become comfortable because as you're describing somatically emotions don't remain in the body. Once you start to process and metabolize them, you can move them through and doing so allows us to then one demystify them uh, as this foreign thing that just happens to us as humans that we can't hold on to or understand, but it also then allows us to say, okay, well, what next? Now that we've identified this and moved through it, I love the idea of using tapping as a very practical, not immediate, but very present-minded activity that you can say, now let's partner with your nervous system now that we know what's where and metabolize it and move it through the body and then and then experiment and see what's what we need next. Yeah, so I love the way you talked about it. So we can access that tension mm-hmm. using words, right? So if we use words to describe it, that uh, the words allow us to access deeper inside. So yeah. that's why EFT kind of is, a, for me, a good first step because we're just really using words. But we're really accessing deep inside at the same time. We're just not aware of it. But mm-hmm. as we go through these steps, we become aware at a deeper level. And that was one of the reasons I, I know I was not making up memories, because when I got to this step and I would allow some tension to release, there would often be a memory that would pop into my mind and just poof, just disappear. So it was clearly not something I was making up. It was just something that was being released from inside and it was just heading out. <laughs> What a beautiful description too of the the partnership between our mind and our body, right? We've lived such disparate lives. We are whole beings. We're not missing something. We're just lacking awareness of what we carry and what belongs and how to get these pieces to work together. So yeah. how did you take all of that wholeness that you are experiencing, all of that expression in your body and and turn this into a daily practice that has become so transformative for you? It was easy because it felt so good. It felt so good. I love that. Releasing tension that's been stored in the body for decades, it has to feel good. And it did. But also my self-awareness was expanding all the time. So it became, it was just every time I relaxed, I could feel the next layer to work on. Mm. So I worked on that felt good. So I did the next layer and it just became something. Now it's automatic. So the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, last thing at night, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm always aware of the next layer. And it's not always fun, you know, uh, let, let me go on to my third, my third step, yeah. because then it'll explain a little bit more. So as I was doing this, feeling the feelings, I would lay on the sofa, feel his collective traumas, let the emo- the energy release. At some point, I realized I could keep my awareness inside my body 
after the tension had released mm. and it felt very different. I knew something different was happening and, and I started to play with it. And I realized I could move my awareness around inside. I could find where there was tension compared to somewhere that had no tension. So I would focus on the tension. You know, by this time I had honed my focusing skills because I'd done so much of this. Mm-hmm. I could focus on the tension and I could feel it release. So mm-hmm. I would do that over and over again. Now, at some point after many, many months of this work, I was able to put my awareness inside my head. And Mm -hmm. that was mind blowing because the pain and the tension inside my head was unbelievable. I mean, almost unbearable. The pain inside my left cheek was crazy. What I realized that had been there my whole life. It had been inside of me in my subconscious mind for 50 years at that point, and I had not been aware of it, but it was, massive but i had this technique by then right so i I knew i could focus on it release it and to begin with it would only be a second at a time because it was so intense and over time as i did it over and over again one day i actually heard and felt something release Mm. and i was a little scared i went home and i did some research and i realized that was an adhesion in the connective tissue that was releasing so i kept doing it and over time i could actually feel my skull bones relax. Now, again, I had not known they were not relaxed until they relaxed, just like those thoughts. I didn't know they were my my dad's until they had gone. Mm. But I just keep becoming aware of the next layer of tension. And sometimes it's pain Mm -hmm. that I hadn't been aware of before. But it's been inside all this time. It's that dis-ease that is inside Mm -hmm. that I'm just aware of the next layer. So from that point of view, it's not always a great path, right? It's there's there's some pain involved. You've got to become aware of what you were not aware of before. But once you have the tools, you can move beyond it, right? You can allow it to release and move beyond it. And so that's why I had my x-rays taken a few years ago um, compared to eight years prior. And I can actually see that my skull bones have relaxed into a more aligned position. And I didn't know, I didn't know that eye sockets could move, right? My jaw was way off to the side. It's much more centered now. And my neck is um, straighter than it's ever been in my life. And I've grown three quarters of an inch because I've released that burden Mm -hmm. that I had been carrying all those years. Mm -hmm. And we can all do that. I love you and your confidence. We can all do that. I agree wholeheartedly with you. And it is such a beautiful assertion and invitation. And I'm thinking when you were talking about suppressing thoughts, it it made me think of that dialectical behavior technique of uh, rational mind and emotional mind and bringing together for wise mind, knowing that in our emotional mind, we are acknowledging that we have big emotions, but they tend to control our thoughts and our behaviors and what we're doing. And we can act really impulsively. And then that reasonable or rational mind that says no emotions, we're going to be very intellectual and factual about this. When the reality is wise mind is where we say, okay, I have emotions. They inform my thoughts and behaviors. I can be logical and approach myself as an emotional individual, as a person with emotional experiences and bring those together and see how do these react together? How do these actually work? And how do I move forward with knowing I am both and, and like that to me allows us to move forward with a process like tapping without 
minimizing either side because both belong. Yes, and both are different before and after tapping. Because if we have emotions and we tap the emotions and allow them to release, then our thoughts about whatever it is we're working through will be different because there will be more compassion and understanding on what happened after we've tapped. Yeah, less judgmental, less condemning, less um, less offended by our own experiences and our responses to them, right? I think that's where that... I hate myself mentality can come from is lack of comprehension that everybody's going through trauma at all points. I used to joke about, I'm a mom and I used to say, well, don't worry, babe. Eventually I will help pay for the therapy that I'm causing for all the traumas I'm causing because no one gets out of this world unscathed by each other. Like we are a hundred percent someone else's story in therapy. Right. And that's fine. That's okay. It wasn't intentional, but being able to embrace that complexity of our humanity allows us to soften toward ourselves and realize like, oh, we all hit ourselves sometimes. I'm not a unique little unicorn in that. Okay, well now what? What do I do with that? And I wish I had known these tools when I had young, young, young children or even before children. That would have been an idea, right? To work through your childhood, to work through all these traumas, then have children. (laughs) What a difference that would make. (laughs) I saw something the other day where someone said, you need to work through your own trauma before you get married or become a parent. And I'm like, the culture is telling us to become parents at like 20 years old and get married at 19. Like, don't tell me that I have to work through all my trauma. We will all be single and (sighs) the population will decrease if we have to all work through our trauma before we do the thing. It's a lovely, like idea, lovely idea. Um, Yeah. And this conversation has been so beautiful and so, I think, approachable. I think you've really demystified the process of EFT in a way that it doesn't feel too complicated to sit down and and walk yourself through it. It doesn't feel like a scary, would this even work if I approached a professional about it to ask for help with it? Would they laugh at me? It feels so tangible and so accessible. And I think that is really a testament to the fact that you are saying, yes, I do this every day, multiple times a day. I a hundred percent believe you. And I think that that is probably the most important thing that your story is so visceral. And so I keep saying invitational, but it really is an invitation into trying to live differently, trying something new. Yeah. Seeing what will change because we can absolutely change. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have an EFT demo video on my YouTube channel, which is only six minutes long. So anyone can learn this. We've got six minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Okay. Well, Anne, I will make sure that that link is in the show notes for anybody listening. And is there anything else you want to share or, or like a thought you'd like to leave us with? There is so much more depth to life. I had no idea how deep and fulfilling life can be when I started this journey. So I know there's a lot of people out there who are depressed these days and, you know, going through grief and those kind of things. But, But if you can get beyond it, there is a depth to life. Once you know yourself at a deep level, you see things happening outside of you at a deeper level, right? You can mm. hear sounds in your body, not just through your ears, your voice changes, everything about you changes. And it's definitely worth starting the journey. Yeah, I love that. And it's not its not a bad thing to change. It's actually inevitable. So maybe partnering and choosing the path is 
a worthy excursion for us to take. So, and yes. thank you for spending time with me today and sharing your story so vulnerably and so confidently. And it's just absolutely beautiful. You've been a joy. Thank you. Thank you for the great conversation. Thank you for listening to episode 115 of Restorative Grief. The invitation in Anne's story is so gentle. You can trust yourself to explore what you've carried and decide how much longer you want to carry it. Anne has found that seeking out our truth, what we truly feel, and accepting those feelings is the key to inner peace. And I'm so grateful she shared her story and her journey with us today. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, I hope this conversation feels like hope. There are no quick fixes to our grief, but there are pathways forward for every situation. Please be sure to check out the show notes for Anne's YouTube video introduction to EFT tapping, as she mentioned, as well as the Patreon for this show if you'd like to support the work or connect with others in the restorative grief community. Remember to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with your own community as well, because you're not the only one grieving, my friend. We both know that's true, so share away. And as always, one last thing before we go. Please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you.